Welcome to That's the Word, Wholesome Tales for the Whole Family. I'm Father James Yamauchi. Today's story, What's My Sin? Father Claude entered the parlor of the convent, ready to meet one of the nuns. The priest had a great reputation among the Jesuits, recently named the superior of the community's local house, merely five years after his ordination, and already established as a renowned preacher. Among his current duties was serving as a chaplain to the local convent. Though new to this assignment, Father Claude already heard about a problem nun. The mother superior was having difficulty with one of the sisters who reported to have private revelations from Jesus. Though the mother superior herself had accepted these revelations, the nun's presence was causing controversy in the convent, and her claims were dismissed. At the invitation of the mother superior, theologians met with the nun and judged her to be a victim of delusions. Now the Mother Superior informed Father Claude that this nun would like to meet with him. Father Claude was a bit apprehensive about this meeting. Taking a deep breath, he reminded himself of the rigorous spiritual training under his belt and the importance of listening to the voice of God. He soon heard footsteps behind him and turned around. A young nun entered the room. As they spoke, Father Claude was surprised that the nun was very reserved. In his mind, her demeanor did not match a person who would make up stories about visions of Christ. The nun was clearly perplexed by what was happening in her life and knew that she needed direction. Why do you want to meet with me? Father Claude asked. Recently, the nun responded, you were preaching to us, and I heard in my heart these words, he is the one I sent you. The nun smiled. You see, she concluded, you must become my spiritual director. Father Claude was taken aback by her insistence. Though he found himself sympathetic and perhaps surprisingly understanding of her situation, he knew that he needed to test the waters. If this nun was indeed seeing Christ, then Christ would have to prove himself to Father Claude. After a brief pause, Father Claude tempered the nun's enthusiasm, saying, If Jesus appears to you again, ask him what my last mortal sin was. If you can tell me what my last mortal sin was, I will be your spiritual director. Some days passed before Father Claude met again with the nun. 
The young nun had a smile on her face as she began the conversation with the Jesuit priest. Did Jesus appear to you? Father Claude asked. Folding her hands on her lap, the nun confidently responded, Yes, he did. And I did exactly what you requested. I asked what your last mortal sin was, and he gave me the answer. Father Claude was taken aback. He half expected that she would have an answer, but even so found himself unprepared for this conversation. Hesitantly, he asked, What did he say? The sister responded, When I asked what your last mortal sin was, Jesus looked at me and said, I don't remember. Father Claude was stunned. This young nun, who was treated harshly by the theologians, had given him an answer steeped in the richness of the Catholic faith. He had confessed his sin, so it was no longer on his soul and no longer remembered by God. Father Claude became this nun's spiritual director and over a brief period of time, became an ardent advocate of the authenticity of these revelations. As long as you remain obedient to your superiors, Father Claude would assure his directee, and renew your offering totally to God so he can treat you as he pleases, there is no need to fear God's ways. Appreciate the gifts he entrusts to you and receive them with faith and humility. Within two years after their initial meeting, Father Claude was given a new assignment but kept in communication with the nun to whom Jesus appeared during a period in church history when the world needed to be reminded of the depth of God's love. With the support and encouragement of the Jesuit priest, St. Claude de la Colombière, our Lord's messages to a French nun were responsible for the spread of devotion to the sacred heart of Jesus, thanks to the faith and humility of a religious sister named St. Margaret Mary Alacoque. And for this week, That's the word. I'm always fascinated in researching these stories because you get little hidden gems. I heard this story about St. Margaret Mary uh, talking about what Jesus said to her regarding someone's mortal sin that had already been confessed in confession. But I had heard that she had this conversation with the bishop. And so when you actually do the research and realize it wasn't the bishop, it's the spiritual director, it actually makes a lot more sense. And so it's just very fascinating to to learn about the relationship between St. Margaret Mary, who most people among the Catholic world know for devotion to the Sacred Heart. But a lot of people don't really know about Father Claude, who is a canonized saint. Yes, he has a very interesting life. We talked a bit about what he did before he met Sister Margaret Mary Alacoy, 
alacoque. I've always heard it pronounced alacoque, but... Mm -hmm. Yeah, we did some uh, little research. We don't have any French heritage, so hopefully we are pronouncing the French correctly. We are German, so we don't care. <laughs> John Peter said that. Father James did not say that. Anyway, continue about Father Claude. So Father Claude was the chaplain after he was spiritual director to Sister Margaret Mary Alacoque. He went to England, actually, as the chaplain for the Duchess of York, who is wife of the future King James II. But uh, at some point, he got accused of being involved in a popish plot to, I guess, overthrow somebody or other uh, to I guess, reinstate England as a Catholic country or something to that effect. Anyway, uh, he was thrown in prison and was nearly hanged, drawn, and quartered. Hmm. And it was only through the intervention of his patron and others that he was able to be pulled out of there where he returned to France and uh, shortly thereafter that died from uh, just being not well. And he actually returned to the same area where St. Margaret Mary was and so was able to reunite with her. And as we mentioned in the story, though, they still kept communication. And that's very fascinating because this is after Henry VIII and this is after Elizabeth. So even though Catholicism was never officially recognized right in England, you did have this period of time where there was kind of more toleration of Catholics in the in the 16th and 17th centuries. Somewhat. It was toleration because James II, who was Catholic in the monarch, was sonless. And so therefore his Protestant daughters, one of them was going to become the ruling person. But then he had a son. And that's when they decided, you know what? We don't like this guy. And that's why shortly after he left, right after St. Claude left, I mean, in 1688, you have the Glorious Revolution because that ousted James II. Right. He fled to France. And then you had the uh, pair of William and Mary who came in from, uh, what is it, the Netherlands? Yeah, they came in from the Netherlands. The Duke and Duchess of Orange, I think, or Prince of Orange. I'm not sure what the title is. Well, I just have to say thanks to our history professor at the University of Dallas, at least for me, because that's how I know this stuff. Dr. Susan Hansen, she's always big on timelines. So I always know, you know, the different uh, the different monarchs in the 16th and 17th century there. So right. the glorious revolution. Is it James Charles, Charles James. That's right. James Charles, Charles James. So we just gave you a nice lesson about 17th, 17th century monarchy there for you yep. in, in England. James Charles Cromwell. Charles James. Oh yeah, there was that little <laughs> comma wasn't there. Yeah, uh, James or Charles the first lost his head. But moving on to, you know, a true our true king Jesus Christ. You know, in spreading this devotion, one of the things that happened as a result is that in the 19th century, uh, Leo the Thirteenth, pretty much at the end of the 19th century, 1899, is that the correct date? Yes. Okay, 1899, he established june as the month of the sacred heart so it was exciting to produce this show uh in the month of june the feast of the sacred heart is a transferable feast and so it's always like the second friday after pentecost or the friday after trinity sunday so depending where easter falls it moves around but in general it normally happens in june and so june is dedicated to the month of the sacred heart 
And so what better way to honor the Sacred Heart, especially the virtue of humility that we see in St. Margaret Mary than telling her story, but also the story of Father Claude. The reason why I think it falls on a Friday, because usually these transferable feasts will fall on Thursdays, right? And they'll say it's a, on a Thursday. I guess um, so, yeah. Corpus Christi falls on Thursday. Ascension. Ascension yeah, falls because, on a Thursday, yeah, because that's 40 days after Easter right. Sunday. I think the deal with Friday is because it was through St. Margaret Mary Alacoque that we have this promise about the first Friday's devotion. That's right. And that's part of the Sacred Heart devotion. Mm-hmm. I, though, much appreciate it because it means that it always falls on a Friday, which means we always get a solemnity on a Friday, mm-hmm. which means we don't have to abstain from meat on that day. That's right. Because as we've talked about in previous shows, I think our very first show, you know, just talking about the laws of the church regarding fasting and abstinence. So you have definitely in Lent, we're called to abstain from meat on Fridays. And outside of Lent, we're still called to do some penance. Um, you know, by default, there's always the option of not eating meat, mm-hmm. but you can choose another form of penance. But and that's why it is exciting when there's a solemnity on Friday, because you can just eat your burger or your steak or whatever it is. What did, what What's a French meat? Duck. We'll go with duck. Frog legs. <laughs> Frog legs. Frog legs may actually count as a fish. I, I was just thinking that may actually count as a fish. We'll have to look that up. We will. Outside of the podcast show. And if people are interested, they got Google and Wikipedia. If you enjoy That's the Word, please share the word. You can sign up for our weekly newsletter at sonsofthunderrock.com. That's also where you can find our social links and our email if you want to send us feedback or story ideas. Thanks again for listening and join us next Wednesday for another wholesome tale for the whole family.